This is the Yesu Communitas Podcast, a show devoted to Hmong American identity, theology, and mission. Thanks for joining this episode. Be sure to like today's show and subscribe to Yesu Communitas on iTunes. And now your hosts, Daniel, Myla, and George. Um, man, I'm really excited about uh, this next episode because um, I'm really passionate about uh, the idea that the church needs to become more aware of mental health. Sorry, we're freezing here, and that's my heater in the background. We're trying to warm up this room. And, um, you know, between all of us, really, um, you know, George is the one who's uh, really investing in this. And Myla and I, we both definitely are passionate about this topic, but mm-hmm. um, the way that uh, George feels called and his training, uh, his experience, um, man, I'm really excited to to jump into this topic with you um, and to, to just kind of learn where things are going. But, you know, really, um, there's a huge awareness now within the church, uh, realizing that for a long time we have not fully considered the implications of mental health and spiritual formation mm. and how in the past maybe we've oversimplified things. You know, you just yeah. pr- read the Bible more, if you confess your sin more, if you do this more then you wouldn't be struggling with anxiety, depression, you know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, on the far far extreme, those who even like, um, you know, don't uh, support certain things like, you know, uh, psychotherapy or medicine, those kinds of things. So, mm-hmm. George, real quick, give us a lay of the land. I mean, what's the difference between, you know, clinical psychology and then pastoral approaches to counseling? And where do you stand in those issues? Yeah, so uh, I've been studying my program for about three years now. Um, and looking to actually graduate here in the spring and become a licensed uh, practicing counselor. Um, And in this uh, field, I'd be practicing mental health counseling um, and providing therapy and and treatment and whatnot for uh, individuals who are seeking out services to to address concerns around depression and anxiety. and oftentimes when uh, I have conversations with peers, conversations with pastors and other um, theologians or leaders in the church, their concern is that um, there's too wide of a gap mm-hmm. between the two, between um, doing clinical counseling and, and just being a good pastor and counseling other people well through the scriptures. Um, and the honest truth is, um, yes, if... If counselors are, are working solely from a secular perspective, if they're only doing treatment based on um, secular theories, uh, if they're only doing cognitive behavioral ther- uh, therapy or mm-hmm. um, any of those sorts, and, and they're not able to integrate uh, mm-hmm. faith into their practice, um, there is a huge gap. Um, oftentimes in our program, we address the concern that if we're only working with individuals in this way, it seems like we're just putting a Band-Aid on Mm -hmm. on an issue, Um, but we're not really addressing what needs to be addressed. Um, So you can tell a person to think differently about a situation so that they feel better about it. Um, But that really doesn't address the concern that they're not trusting God in that space. And so, you know, um, when I hear... uh, stories of individuals coming out of churches um, who have a lot of church hurt because they've been told that if they pray hard enough or if they believe hard enough or read scripture uh, long enough that their issues will go away. 
um, but they don't. Yeah. Um, you know, on that side of the coin, it's it's difficult because there's something more um, than what a person is able to do in their own life and their own disciplines to address the concerns that they have. Yeah. Um, and so both spectrums or both ends of the spectrum, when you get so far out, um, there is a huge gap yeah. um, wide and in between. And um, the goal, the hope is that uh, as Christian counselors, as Christian mental health professionals come into um, the field, that they are well integrating uh, both their understanding of therapies, their understandings of, of treatments and, and ways to work with individuals um, with their faith and, and the truth mm-hmm. from Scripture. Um, you know, how is that different from pastoral counseling? Oftentimes not. Yeah. Um, oftentimes you would really hope that your pastor would know how to counsel you well, that he would know um, how the mind works and and different ways to, to disciple you well. Um, and really what a mental health counselor is, is, is a discipler. Yeah. Um, they want to come alongside you um, and, and help you put into practice good healthy practices that will allow you to live your life the way that god would want you to yeah um and so in one sense there is a huge gap there's a huge gap that um should be avoided um but in the other sense when uh you're doing clinical work well and and you're integrating your faith into that work um there really isn't much of a difference between Mm -hmm. A mental health clinician and and the pastor in your local church. Yeah, it's mind, body, and spirit, but mm-hmm. we're still very kind of integrated <clears throat> as beings, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you guys this, because we're uh, given that you know we're uh, podcast about theology and mission uh, through the lens and the experience of of, of among American. You know, um, we have to uh, we we have to still process in this generation the trauma that we've experienced um, uh, as immigrants and refugees, you mm-hmm. know, our, our parents' trauma and then the effects of their trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might not be psychological. It could be even social trauma. Um, mm-hmm. But so there's trauma that we're, we're carrying with us. And then there's, um, there's a, um, among structure in our families, the way that we, you know, the typical Asian thing, you know, we mm-hmm. don't show affection, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, this is stored up in the Hmong community. Um, you know, we have a, a a different, maybe not necessarily unique, but we have a different context to apply uh, some of the modalities you've talked about, pastoral counseling and, and clinical psychology. We have an opportunity to apply some of these things. So uh, in our Hmong context, Hmong American church, what are the opportunities, do you guys think, where we can really um, do better when it comes to emotional healing, mental healing, and then spiritual healing? What are your thoughts about that? Um, I mean, I think this might be really simple, but for me, it's like, don't feel weird about it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I think that's a big one. Mm-hmm. With mental health especially, There's the stigma, I think, especially in Asian communities, not Mm -hmm. wanting to address it, just pretending it's not there with emotional like needs, just pretending it's not there. And I think in the Hmong community, we're really good at pretending things are not there Mm -hmm. as a way to trying to overcome it. Um, And so I think in areas I think needing to do better is acknowledging 
uh, its existence and actually addressing those things head on. Um, mm-hmm. That would probably be the first thing that sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially with this upcoming generation, I think with like rise of technology, social media, comparison, information, like there's so much out there um, that I see so much more like anxiety and depression and mm-hmm. a lot of mental health um things in the next generation that if we don't begin to address it we don't begin to acknowledge the existence of it if we don't begin to emotionally connect with them spiritually connect with them on this end um Mm -hmm. as long as we pretend it's not there they're gonna leave the church to find solutions somewhere else absolutely um so yeah yeah and that's you know a large concern that that i've had stepping into this field you know i i came to ted's uh hoping to uh, just do an MDiv and and develop my my skills in being a pastor, um, whether that's preaching ministry or or care ministry. And and the difficulty is um, that oftentimes as pastors we don't know what we're doing mm-hmm. when it comes to addressing depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes our our faith has in informed us enough to say yes if you actually trust in the lord in these spaces these things won't be an issue for you anymore but the the practicality of telling someone that you know um really doesn't play out in ways that brings healing yeah um oftentimes what happens is it tells that person that they just aren't good enough yeah Mm -hmm. to be able to live a joy-filled life that they as hard as they're trying it's not going to be enough for them to to overcome these things, um, and and so there's there's definitely this understanding that we are whole people, and 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 as whole persons, we we need to acknowledge all parts of of what our life is. Um, we have to understand that um, the way that our mother upsets us. Is going to affect the way that we we look at at other um, situations in our lives. Like your mom can yell at you mm-hmm, <laughs> before mm-hmm. you leave the house, and and that emotional turmoil that you just had in that exchange with your mother is going to affect the way that you hang out with your friends. Is going mm-hmm. to affect the way that you um, view the rest of the world on that day. You know, um, you know there are. Yes, concerns around how much truth it can be taken up by secular thought, right? Um, and and really, that's one of the the main concerns when when you talk about clinical work uh, with Christian individuals mm-hmm. is how much of this is secular and how much of it is going to actually assist a person. Mm-hmm. Um, Let me ask you about that example, George, because I think you're you're bringing up a really good point. If, if if a gal is struggling with you know um, self image uh, because of you know uh, issues with her parents or something like that, you know mm-hmm. her mom using your example, we have a tendency in the church to say, well, if you just you know preach the gospel to yourself and you know you're accepted you know in Christ, mm-hmm. not by any merit of your own, and let that truth you know um, empower you, you know. Then you can overcome those struggles. You know there there is that level of counseling, and I and I completely agree with everything I just said there. Mm-hmm. But can you talk about how 
there's that approach and then there's maybe some alternative approaches to where also there's there's probably some fam- family of origin issues that you need to take care of mm-hmm. there's probably some uh some tools that you need in order to be a better thinker about these issues and there's probably just reconciliation in the family unit that you need to actually address like can you talk about you know the two different approaches yeah um oftentimes when it comes to self-image um you know the truth of the gospel will help us understand better who we are and and give us a more secure identity and and cause us to to be less concerned about um how others view us mm-hmm. um or even the ways that our, our parents might critique us and and send us off into the world and so um oftentimes in those spaces where a young lady is is struggling with her self-image because she seems like or it seems like in her life her parents can't accept her for who she is um and, and that then causes her to to look for different ways to present herself to the world and she's all caught up in that mm-hmm. um yes it can be very easy for another woman or her pastor to come alongside of her and say like this is what christ says of you and this yeah. is how you ought to see yourself um but if those messages aren't being continuously relayed to her um in in the spaces that matter so in in her conversations with her parents um they won't ever really internalize with her yeah um to a way or to a place where she's comfortable with who she is Mm -hmm. uh, based on what christ tells her and so oftentimes uh you know it it would be better to you know and you know let's talk about the monk context for a second in those cases most of us are going to to have a pastor who's going to say, well, you should really just listen to your parents, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And how much damage yeah. does that do to a person to say, well, I'm never going to win. Like, right. my opinion right. never matters, et cetera. Um, but really, understanding how families work, we can work with a family and say, hey, have you ever considered how your words are affecting your daughter and mm-hmm. why she might be acting the way that she's acting? Yeah. Um, have you considered that maybe the ways that you're presenting how you want your daughter to act, um, the heart behind that is that, you know, she presents herself as a as a holy woman, as a, as a woman who's chasing after God's heart, as a Proverbs 31 lady. Um, but there's just so much pressure behind those words that she can't yeah. find ways to live up to that. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. those are ways that we have yeah. to think about mental health and and how yeah. our interactions work within I mean, the household. What I hear you saying is that if we're not careful, we can actually use the truths of the gospel and the Bible to become an increasingly uh you know, a unmeetable standard in in, mm-hmm. in our children's lives. If we're not willing to deal with the basic human emotional needs and the need to resolve conflict, the need to have approval of your, you know, of your parents and stuff like that, that uh, being religious actually just increases that anxiety and the need mm-hmm. to perform and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, I mean, as a, as a, as a Hmong woman, I mean, we're, we're using this example of yes. Hmong and yeah. woman and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And here's a Hmong woman next to us. We should just ask <laughs> you, um, I mean, what, what's the reality? And like, do you feel that weight at times? Um, where does your anxiety and your, you know, your, your, you know, uncertainty and maybe your, your emotional struggles come from and, and, you know, how, how does that register with you and how do you cope with those kinds of things? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I, I think a big part of it might be personality. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, you talk to me, my two sisters, we have completely different upbringings growing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Same parents, completely different upbringings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a big part of it is personality or maybe like our defense mechanisms of how we explain our way through the way that we grew up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for me, I grew up, my dad was super affectionate, you know, like mm. I felt like my dad was the most loving. Mm. I thought he was so great. He was my hero. You talked to my sister and he was this cold, unemotional, very hard to connect with dad, mm-hmm. you know? And so mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, what? Like we yeah. grew up in the same yeah. household. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for me with parents, um, it's a little bit different just because of our lens. But I think even just being with, uh, being among women, you always feel like something's going to be against you, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. something's like, Mm -hmm. if it's too easy, it's too easy because something's on the other end. And I think that creates a lot of anxiety of just, um, not, yeah, nothing's ever just easy. Nothing's ever the way it is. Something, there's a reason it's easy, you know? And Mm -hmm. somebody had asked me, my professor had asked me like, is it hard to be a woman minority in ministry? Mm. Um, and I didn't know how to answer that question. Um, because I was like, that's all I know, you know, is, mm-hmm. is there an easier way? Because if there is, I don't know it, you know? Yeah. So it's hard to kind of picture like, maybe I've grown so used to my frame of thinking that I don't know that there is an, another way, you know, like maybe when I go on stage and preach, every time I go on stage and preach, I'm like, somebody's going to get mad. Somebody's going to yell at me and right. my pastor's going to get yelled at. I don't know what it means to go on stage mm. and not have that anxiety. Wow. It's just part of me, mm-hmm. you know? So even this question, what does it feel like to be among women and with mental health? I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just part of me. Is there a different way? Uh, I'm wow. not sure. Yeah. I, I can't even answer that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So part of it just sounds, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing you say, I mean, this is, uh, it's not something to overcome as much as this is the this is your reality. This yeah. is how you're experiencing life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's being Hmong is a very uh, unique traumatic experience. Now I, that sounds so negative, but it's not. <laughs> I'm not me- meaning to say that's negative, but the enemy comes at us in different ways. You know, mm-hmm. as Hmong people, the enemy knows how to come come at it. Think about this. I don't know if you guys are aware, but in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, when Hmong people started to immigrate here for, for the first time as refugees, there were a number of sleep deaths um, where people would just die in their, their mm-hmm. sleep, wow. uh, unrelated, uh, un, unknown, un, unknown causes. So they just called it sleep death. And uh, I knew some people who died that way. And uh, you can Google and see articles online uh, mm. of this is happening specifically in Southeast Asian communities, but the Hmong in particular. Was it spiritual? Was it, you know, some of it was, uh, you know, they said maybe it was culture shock, you know. So was it post, you know, PTSD? Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed to be possibly PTSD because some of these people that died, the, the one person that I know was Kitsun um, his older brother. Hmm. He died, um, uh, I was probably about 10 or 11 when he died, and he was a professional, he was a teacher, and he died in his sleep randomly in, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in the, um, in the uh, early 80s or uh, early 90s, and, um, and they said it was culture shock potentially, you know. Um, mm-hmm. How do you know when we're experiencing something that needs to be, you know, a clinical situation where you're helping people work through something like culture shock? Mm-hmm. Or if it's a spiritual situation where you need to disciple somebody more in scripture and it's gospel identity, mm-hmm. or it's just full on the Jesus and you need to cast <laughs> somebody out. So mm-hmm. work through that. What? How do we diagnose situations where you know which modality to use? Yeah, um, 
honestly, uh, through prayer mm-hmm. um, and discernment, um, I think, you know, it's a double-edged sword in the sense that for Hmong people, we are so spiritually attuned. We're so sensitive to yeah. um, the spiritual world that oftentimes we will just throw everything to spiritual oppression or spiritual yeah. warfare. Um, you know, someone can be having a panic attack and and it's like a legit panic attack and they're hyperventilating and they, they feel scared and they're concerned for their life and no one else really understands why. Um, but they will throw it up to like, oh, there, there must be some spirit that's bothering her. She must be mm-hmm. or he must be you know, spiritually possessed or mm-hmm. there's some opp- oppression happening. Um, and really what just needs to happen is they need to be taken to the hospital need to be <laughs> yeah, right. assessed yeah. for, you know, what's going on with their body. And um, they need to talk it out and figure out what it is that caused the panic attack. Um, so there, there's a lot of discernment that needs to be done in the sense that, um, you know, we we don't always know what's going on. And and. You know, even for clinicians, for for professionals who are working in the mental health field, um, you know, people can be, you know, lying all the time, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And and this person might seem like a compulsive liar, um, and and like they, it may seem like uh, they just get off on on being able to to lie to someone and get away with a lie, mm-hmm. right? And, and so you try to work with this individual and, and try to help them understand that their reality doesn't work the way that they think it does. And yeah. that even though they're getting away with things, they're hurting other people um, and, and trying to get them to empathize with the people who, who they're hurting when they lie to them. Right. Um, but it may be a spiritual situation where there is a spirit over that person who causes them to lie who uh, they've invited into their life or have, you know, been preyed on yeah. by, by evil forces to um, to live their life that way. And, and it may just take the fact that a pastor or someone who, who understands that situation to come and pray for them. Yeah. And they're, they're delivered from that spirit. Yeah. So really there's there needs to be a lot of just discernment yeah. and, mm-hmm. and reliance upon the the Lord in those spaces. And it's interesting that sometimes, uh, like your example, somebody who is a habitual liar, sometimes that's rooted in an evil that a human being did to them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I think that multifaceted approach is useful because you realize that this person now is believing a spiritual lie that's from the enemy, mm-hmm. but it was done to them by an individual, mm-hmm. maybe even somebody close to them. And then that may be where some of the clinical aspect of psychology is, is helpful to help Absolutely. them process some of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, this Myla, I know you're not the expert. I know <laughs> <Yeah>. that, uh, <laughs> but I mean, uh, your mom, you're, you're the expert of your mom. I am. I am. <laughs> is, is a uh, medical professional. You know, she was, she's a physician. But she's also, you know, pretty spiritually in tune to these things, right. right? As a matter of fact, we've had conversations with her where, you know, she's not using her uh, 
her medical utensils to diagnose people. She's using her spiritual senses. I mean, what have you learned from your mom in terms of like uh, a multifaceted approach to these issues? Um, yeah, my mom is super cool. She has kind of the funniest stories. Um, I'll probably share one, but I think something I've learned is I think with her, there's room for creativity. Hmm. Um, I think in prayer, in practice, like, kind of like George said, sometimes you don't really ever, you will never fully know. Was that spiritual warfare? Was that mental health? I don't know. And I think it's in that, I don't know that there's permission to get creative Mm -hmm. if you Mm -hmm. trust the spirit in you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's kind of what I've seen with my mom's practice is, so she, she kind of went through this season of kind of what is the difference? How do I know with my patients schizophrenia or like the demon, you know, how do I know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so she prays, she prays for her patients before she sees them just because mm. she's like, I don't know what I'm going to see. I don't know what's going to be there. And mm-hmm. she's always like being really prayerful. And she had this patient who had this weird heart condition, was diagnosed with something really weird. Mm. Um, so my mom kind of gave her medication and my mom was like, okay, you know, like take these meds. I'll see you next week if it doesn't get better. Um, and then the patient came back and, you know, nothing changed. The meds weren't working. So my mom was like praying for her patient. She's like, I don't know why, but when I was praying, I heard like the spirit say to me, like she has the spirit of rebellion wow. and that's affecting her heart. And my mom was like, what do I tell my patient? Like, <laughs> am I supposed to like tell my patient this? So my mom was like, well, the meds didn't work. So I don't have any other options. So she well. told her patient like, <laughs> I know this is really weird, but like God, like I really have this sense. I'm a Christian. I'm a physician. And I feel like God is saying you have the spirit of rebellion. And this lady breaks down and starts crying, Mm. you know, and she shares about this relationship in her life. That's just completely left in resentment and anger and all Mm. these things. Um, So my mom's like, well, I'll prescribe you with, you know, go and talk to this person wow. um, and come mm-hmm. back in a month. And when she came back and um, ha- had these tests done on her heart, everything cleared out. Mm, like yeah. everything was mm-hmm. gone. And my mom was like, well, you know, I guess that was what, that's what it was, you know. But she had to first try the physical first, you yeah. know, because that was what she knew. That was what she was well learned and versed in. And when that didn't work, she gave up to God and was like, God, you be creative and I'll just be obedient, you mm-hmm. know? And that's just one of so many stories where she was like, okay, you don't pick one or the other. Sometimes God is moving in both. In both. And my responsibility is to discern and be obedient to whatever the, that is. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. sometimes it's the medicine. Sometimes it's giving somebody a, a, a different word, you know? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I mean, it goes back to what you're saying, George, that we're very integrated mind, body, and spirit. And, you know, you, you need to have that multi you know like understanding you know in your mind especially mm-hmm. in this day and age of doing ministry you can't you can't afford to be like just a theology expert right mm-hmm. in pastoral counseling uh, or in pastoral ministry mm-hmm. you can't just afford to be just the like bible study leader type i mean you need to have this full orb kind of understanding mm-hmm. and yeah. and you think oh that's for me church you know that's for the american white church no i mean that for the mm-hmm. Hmong church man this is like 
you know, uh, full-on um, necessary for, for pastoral ministry now. And there's some cases where, uh, man, you just flat out need to do deliverance, good old deliverance ministry, <laughs> however way you learned it or however way you, you talked about it. But, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are skeptical about that. Um, there's a lot of wonky stuff, you know. Um, in our last episode, we touched on it a little bit. Um, but, you know, in terms of um, power encounters, let's talk about that way, mm-hmm. where you just need the divine intervention of God. You know that a Bible study and discipleship program, you know, is not going to help this person. You know, you, you can you can disciple ignorance. You can't disciple a demon, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> where are you guys in, where do you see the good in deliverance ministries? And where are you cautionary when it comes to deliverance ministries? Mm. I mean, I think the good is sometimes it's just necessary and mm-hmm. you can't beat around the bush. You can't try everything kind of like you, you can't disciple a demon. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to get to a point where you're like, all right, like this is the only way, you know, and mm-hmm. I think sometimes we're afraid to address that because it, I mean, it instilled a lot of fear in us. You know, what do we do? You you lose you. You risk losing a lot of um control of the situation when mm. you kind of open up that realm and mm. not authority but i think control of what will happen mm-hmm. um i think my fear i think especially as i've seen in the Hmong community is this entertainment of demons mm, like everything right. is whoa you know yeah. and you almost kind of play up and entertain the demons and i think that's a danger where um they're they're getting the attention they want the, the attention they need and it almost exhausts <laughs> you um is it controversial if I bring up his name? <laughs> Sipunyaba once um, oh. has said um, that their church entered... You just a- threw him under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's your best friend's Dude, dad. Dude, that's my best friend. I love wow. him. So for the record, Sipunyaba and mm-hmm. all your kids, if you're listening, I love him. Um, but this is this is kind of an area that he's well-versed in. Um, right. But for a long season in their church... He said they're they're casting out demons like day after day after day after day, and he had no room to do ministry. And mm. there came a a point where he was like, "Okay, we're just gonna stop because we're giving so much attention yeah, to the enemy right. that he's yeah. taking away mm. all other aspects yeah. of church ministry." And so they just had made this administrative decision like, "We're not even gonna entertain the demons. We're mm-hmm. just gonna go on." And 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 that was a really healthy decision for them. So I think, mm. yeah, I see that danger a lot too. Yeah, um, you know this. This space is is very difficult to to navigate because oftentimes it needs to be deliverance and discipleship, mm-hmm. and if we deliver a person, um, but leave them as they are oftentimes the only options that they have is to go back mm-hmm. to what they were doing before yeah. um you know we look at addicts and we question whether or not they're really going to ever be able to change um and in deliverance ministries when they're dealing with addicts right um they can pray away the spirit but if the person doesn't change their their atmosphere, their environment, it's mm-hmm. going to be so much easier yeah. for them to go back to yeah, what they're good. doing. Um, so we really need to understand the whole entire 
workings of a person and the ways that their mind works and the ways that that God has created us, um, mm-hmm. the ways that you know we we work relationally, the ways that our minds work on its own. Um, we have to take all these things into consideration. Um, and so even in deliverance situations, like the great thing is the Lord gives us his authority to, mm-hmm. to cast out demons, to, um, to be able to claim victory over these, these situations in our lives. And, and oftentimes like, I want to say, yes, like the works of the Lord is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they would be if we were like, perfect beings who, <laughs> right. who who would be able to yeah. to stay changed right? yeah. or who would be able to stay freed but the honest truth is we're fallen yeah um and and praise god that his grace is sufficient and yeah. and is um you know always available to us even when we fall back into sin um but there needs to be that that discipleship that comes with, yeah. um, you know, the work of being a pastor, the work of being a counselor, um, in understanding that even though you pray the spirit away, you really have to work with the person, yeah, and understand how to work with the person so that things change in their lives. Yeah. That's yeah. Do, do you think that like things like <clears throat> uh, healing and deliverance and anything that you want to categorize in that particular? you know, way of doing ministry. Do you think that's necessarily something that only like specific individuals are gifted to do? I mean, talk mm-hmm. about like, what are your thoughts around, um, what would a scripture have to say about some of these things? And, um, have we over professionalized, you know, and that's mm-hmm. why we have the whole mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, flurry of like, you know, uh, dramatic, you know, deliverance types right. things. Cause we have professional exorcism people or something like that. I mean, what are your thoughts around those things? Hmm. It's a it's an interesting um, era that we're coming into. Um, you know, I I look at um, certain colleges and and the the courses that they're they're starting to provide. So exorcism courses or spiritual warfare courses for for pastors and training and and whatnot. And um, you know, for for a lot of you know, younger people, I remember myself even as a younger person, like the idea, the excitement of, of using the authority that, that the Lord gives us to, mm-hmm. to free people. Like it sounds exciting for those of us who, um, you know, maybe a bit more narcissistic and, <laughs> right. and, mm. and, and have this idea that, look, I have, I have power. And, and it's mm-hmm. something that, um, the enemy actually, you know, can, can use against us, yeah. you know, um, and, and I think a lot of times individuals who are, you know, working in those ministries and working in those spaces, that's probably the one area that they really have to, to yeah. wrestle with is understanding that they have authority. They've been given power to cast out demons and, and then they get this adrenaline rush or, you know, whatever it is that, that they have to wrestle against their own pride now, yeah. um, that, they they've been given something to to yeah. to do such mighty works right mm-hmm. yeah it's, it makes me think about you know Simon the sorcerer when mm-hmm. he was you know he saw the apostles doing miracles and he's like I want that right and he's mm-hmm. willing to pay money for it and I think you know this is probably where uh, the critiques against deliverance ministry should be heard by those who who practice it without like uh, you know a, a strong discernment 
is that if you think about it, deliverance ministries, if it's just about the deliverance um, and the healing, which I think you know, a lot of it is about that in, in a good way. Mm-hmm. But it's another, for, you know, it's a difference between like if God is using you to to bring the kingdom of God and bring healing and God's rule and reign into a particular area. It's one thing to do that. It's another to like use the name of Jesus, you know, for these purposes mm-hmm. uh, without uh, a real strong awareness of what God's actually doing. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, it's almost like another way of, it's like Christian divination mm. or Christian witchcraft if we're not being careful, yeah. you know, and I'm not saying that those who practice deliverance are doing witchcraft. Mm-hmm. I am saying there's a way in which you do deliverance that could be witchcraft mm-hmm. and, um, and you know, heck, I can see the enemy be like, I'm willing to partner in with that, yeah. you know, if I can <laughs> just play the role, yeah. uh, you know, so man, I'm, I'm kind of like, maybe I'm speaking out of both both sides of my mouth, because I'm all for deliverance ministries mm-hmm. when it's warranted, especially in the context of what you're saying, it's followed up with good discipleship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I can see the enemy saying, you know what, I'll come in and out as long as people think that, you know, and they're distracted from the glory of God and the mission yeah. of God. Um, yeah. So good word that, Milo, you said, because uh, yeah, I think um, I've, I've heard, I've heard from people that Sivinyama can tend to have a bad rap, but uh, I know him personally, mm-hmm. and I know that his his ministry focus is not on those things. Yep. It's about seeing people come to know Jesus and God glorified. So mm-hmm. um, just kind of uh, stepping away from that and... Um, uh, going back to mental health, you know, a lot of the critique around um, uh, mental health can be um, it's a it's an obsession of the self. It's a it's mm. it's looking in too much. It's mm. you know it's navel gazing. You know, um, uh, and some of these critiques are warranted. You know, there's a way in which you do it, but, but you help those of us who might feel that way about mental health. Um, you know, through scripture, uh, how, how can we think better, you know, where it's just not just navel gazing and constantly trying to fix yourself, self-help. Mm-hmm. What does the scripture have to say about um, how to handle mental health and some things that we've talked about here? Mm-hmm. Milo, you got any thoughts? You go ahead while I'm thinking. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, you know, I I face a lot of these questions and critiques as I as I'm coming through this program of, you know, Christ doesn't call us to focus on ourselves. Christ doesn't call us to, um, you know, look to ourselves for, um, for strength or to, to look to ourselves for, for healing. Um, but that we have to focus on him. Um, and, and, and that's true. Um, he doesn't call us to look, um, to ourselves for our own healing. Um, but that doesn't mean he, you know, we're not to, to, view ourselves you know in the mirror that that doesn't mean we're not supposed to um, recognize the spaces in which we're struggling and in which we're we're having issues in our lives Um, so a person who who's anxious about um, their image all the time right Um, and how they're presenting themselves so uh, let's see any typical pastor (laughs) (laughs) right 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 all the pastors i know everybody in ministry (laughs) Right, yeah. so this this social anxiety of how am I presenting myself to everyone else? Right, right. Um, we don't address those issues by um, looking to ourselves and uh, finding ways to um, make ourselves look better. Mm-hmm. Right, um, that's not where healing comes from. That's not how we should navigate our insecurities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always finding truth in Christ. And so, um, you know, when I, when I hear the, the argument, it, 
the the counter argument of we have to look to Christ is definitely the right answer, but the question itself is is a bit skewed. Mm-hmm. Um, in, Would you say that's almost like a um, I don't know, kind of a American white Christian kind of self helpish way to kind of you know ask the question? I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to put words in your mouth, but what what about that question? Do you think is like you mean not fully yeah it really um i think stems from concerns around uh like the influence of secular thought Mm, Um, okay so in a sense um we look at at yoga right um people doing yoga and and people are concerned about the practices that that it stems from and so they question whether or not we as christians should at all you know participate in mm-hmm. bending our bodies in certain ways and, mm-hmm. and developing core strength through these exercises right um because there's something that it stems from that doesn't look good yeah. um, that that isn't of the lord um and so in the same way when we look at mental health there's this concern that um, a lot of it is derived from secular thought and from secular leaders in the world who didn't know the Lord and, um, you know, had issues with trusting the Lord. And so what do we have to gain from them? Um, and this may seem tangential, but uh, getting to the point is understanding that um, when we look at mental health, when we look at caring for ourselves, it's it's what god would want from us in in understanding our relationship with him um i think it was calvin who said you can't fully understand who god is um, without fully understanding who you are Mm -hmm. and you can't fully understand who you are without fully understanding who god is um, and so there's this give and take of of wanting to to care for yourself in a way that brings you closer to God, that mm-hmm. makes you more of an image bearer than you already are. Mm-hmm. And when you're wrestling and struggling with these insecurities, with these um, concerns in your life, um, when you're experiencing depression, all of those things, anxiety, anger, etc., all those things are keeping you from being an image bearer of God. And so the goal of mental health isn't to to focus on yourself and isn't to, um, you know, address how you can fix yourself. Mm-hmm. But really, it ought to direct you in a way to say, this isn't how God created you. This isn't what he intended you for. Um, and what we really want is to move you closer to becoming an image bearer of mm-hmm. God, um, mm-hmm. moving closer to... Um, living your life the way God would want you to. Um, when Jesus said, I, I, have, I haven't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And, and when he says things like, um, you know, I'm coming so that those who believe in me will live life abundantly. Like he's not saying those things so that, you know, we might feel better about ourselves, yeah. but he wants us to really experience that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I or sometimes people hear Jesus say that, you know, I've come to give you life and life abundantly and they, they process it. I've come to give you a religious life where mm-hmm. you're a very religious person, you know? And mm-hmm. I think sometimes, um, that's the danger of understanding 
what G- Jesus is more full orbed than just talking about yeah. a religious life. Yeah. yeah, it's more than just doing the daily practice over and over again mm. um, so that you feel good about yourself. It's mm. that actual relationship with him. It's becoming more and more like him so that we find delight in, in the Lord, so that we do find delight in who God is and who he's created us mm-hmm. to be. It's mm-hmm. good. Um, I don't know if I fully process that thought, but I think there is a tendency like, to think, well, if you're a Christian, you don't struggle with that. So, you know, yeah. get over yourself or something's wrong mm. with you. It's not a God thing. It's you, you know, mm. and they tend to separate that. Um, but I think like you can't read the Bible and not see mental health all mm, over right. it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm I'm in Jeremiah right now and I'm so depressed, mm. you know, like it's a sad book, you mm-hmm. know. Um, you think of King David. He was depressed anxious all of that you think of moses you need you think mm-hmm. of all these guys and like like there's something beautiful about how redemptive god uses them because of it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and like the the psalms are beautiful because of what david wrote in some of the darkest times you know or mm-hmm. um god being able to use moses because of his anxiety of himself you know and i think you see that and it's it's not this black and white you're a christian so you don't deal with it but it's look at the bible it's all over and god can god doesn't give that but god works in it and through it and even the bible itself it's so beautiful because of that you know and so mm-hmm. i think seeing that gives permission for kind of that murky how do we deal with it how do we work through these things you know it's it's not self-helpy mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. king david was the the book of psalms is not a self-help book yeah, you yeah, know right. um yeah. and so i think it gives us permission to to work through those things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. I want to um, just end with this because I think this is really important as, as to why we do the podcast. And the reality is that, um, you know, we're talking about the future leadership of the Hmong Church, and um, you can be a, a knowledgeable uh, leader that has tremendous knowledge of theology and scripture and how to lead a church. But if you're not mentally, emotionally stable, like mm-hmm. that's that's a dangerous combination, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. A lot of knowledge and uh, little emotional, mental stability. It's dangerous, and um, that that's that spells almost uh, uh, disaster and mm-hmm. uh, trauma for those who you lead, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, there's almost an argument which you can make that if a person is mentally, emotionally unstable, but they're leading uh, spiritually, that's almost cultish in a lot of ways, mm. right? So I think it's important for us because um, Hmong people, we're, we're prone to performance. We're prone to shame and honor. You know, it's a part of our cultural upbringing. Mm-hmm. And if we're not willing to go to these depths in our own hearts as leaders, um, then potentially... Uh, we can have a very spiritually traumatic experience for those that we lead. Now, God, you know, bar none, God's grace overcomes all of that. And God has only done that because he's only worked with broken leaders. Mm -hmm. But there's a degree of freedom that I think God wants to bring to the Hmong people um, Mm -hmm. in that uh, we have to be willing to let him do the the difficult things in our hearts Mm -hmm. so that our children have a, you know, a higher degree of freedom when it comes to emotional and mental health. Mm -hmm. So I think this conversation is, you know, uber important because um, what keeps Hmong people insecure is not that we don't know the Bible enough or we Mm -hmm. don't have enough of the gospel. What keeps Hmong people insecure and that we aren't willing to reach out to others, we Mm -hmm. aren't really willing to lead others, we aren't willing to venture outside of ourselves. 
is f- from my perspective uh, is that we have unprocessed trauma mm-hmm. in in our Hmong experience mm-hmm. that the Bible is the solution for it and Jesus is the solution for it however we're not allowing God to f- do the full work um, and so well, we are but you know it, we need to continue to allow him to do the full work yeah. mm-hmm. in our ger- generation in the next so when we spend uh, you know just a few minutes just praying for our peers and our friends um, and ask God to do that work so God thank you for uh, this time to talk about such an important subject um, you know three of us we want to open our lives up for you to do the work do surgery in our hearts in our past mm-hmm. in our um, our hurts our woundedness um, so that we don't pass those on to those that we lead. Mm-hmm. And I pray that for our generation, that we wouldn't allow knowledge and um, theological jargon to interfere uh, with the actual work that you want to do inside of us. Mm-hmm. And we know that spiritual warfare is spiritual warfare for the mind. And so we want to love you with all of our being, including our mind. And so we um, uh, pray for this generation's uh, leaders uh, to have the courage uh, to lead in a way where we're holistic and fully integrated. And if it means starting with us, then we say yes, just so that you can do it more in the next generation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Myla, George, and myself will be back again with another discussion about Hmong American identity, theology, and mission. Uh, but can you do us a favor? Can you share the Yesu Communitas podcast with your friends? And then also remember to like today's show, uh, share it out on Facebook, and then subscribe to Yesu Communitas on iTunes. All right. See you in the next episode. <laughs>